What's the Buzz Without a Podcast? This podcast is for beekeepers from Atlantic Canada who want relevant, timely information about beekeeping in the region. We feature beekeepers and experts with specialist insights into our beekeeping and pollination industry. My guest today is Professor Monique LaCroix. Professor LaCroix is a fellow of the International Academy of Food Sciences and Technology. She's a fellow of the Institute of Food Technology. She's also the director of the Research Laboratories in Science Applied to Food at the Canadian Irradiation Centre. She is a research member of the Institute of Nutraceuticals and Functional Foods, and also a member of the Armand Frappier Health and Biotechnology Centre in Laval, Quebec. Professor LaCroix has been invited to speak at over 100 major conferences, including a conference as member of the Expert Scientific Committee of the United Nations Conference on Irradiation, she has collaborated with scientists internationally and has supervised and trained hundreds of individuals. Professor LaCroix is going into her 35th year working in food safety and irradiation, and she is one of Canada's leading experts in the field. Well, thank you for your time today. And um, very interested to find a little bit more about uh, irradiation and particularly how, how it can be applied to uh, disinfecting or, or used as, as part of a quarantine for, for honeybee hives and equipment. I'm a beekeeper, so my knowledge of irradiation is very limited and, and have heard of it as a, a technique to uh, disinfect beehives. But, uh, and I'm also interested, if you wouldn't mind, Professor LaCroix, you, you indicated to me that you're going into your 35th year working in this industry. It must have been some tremendous changes in the techniques over that period of time. So uh, I can say that um, there is a three different type of irradiation technique. Uh, one is uh, X-ray, the second one is electron beam, and the third one is with cobalt 60. And these three different technology exist since uh, 34 years. So I saw, I saw mostly X-ray is an indirect, uh, indirect wave. You know, you have to touch a metallic surface and then you have the production of X-ray and this is uh, more expensive to, uh, to, to produce. And uh, I saw X-ray especially for disinfestation of, um, for, for fruit treatment, for example. But uh, presently, uh, there is a, it seems that there is a need to, uh, to study and develop the X-ray technology for, uh, for a food application. And then you have electron beam. So electron beam uh, was uh, first uh, developed, I think, in US. And then uh, in Canada, we started to have it. So the electron beam uh, has a less penetration. So it is mean that uh, you need to have a, car a moving carpet with a box and you have to put uh, the, to pass the box, each box below the sources one by one 
And recently I spoke uh, with a group in France and they told me that they have to put the box and then to move the box upside down the box to pass the box another time because the the penetration the penetration inside the box is is less efficient than gamma or x ray so the 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 interest of using cobalt 60 is because you can have a, a big container full of uh, boxes and the gamma ray will pass through it can pass through uh, three feet i think in cement so uh, there is a, it is very convenient for food and a large quantity of product but uh, the the cobalt 60 means that uh, you have to transport uh, radioactive element and uh, the cobalt 60 has a half life of five years so it is mean that uh, every uh, seven years for example or maybe each five years you have to add uh, cobalt 60 in the source but uh, for this is not a problem because you have a big support with a cylinder inside and only a couple of uh, cylinder contain cobalt 60, so you can add uh, cobalt 60 in other cylinder who do not have any cobalt. And at the end uh, of uh, this life, his life, uh, its life, the cobalt 60 is uh, transformed in, in non-radioactive element. So there, there is no waste. But what is uh, related to the dose of irradiation is the time of uh, of the contact with the wave and also the source uh, the level of energy so if you have uh, cobalt 60 uh, with uh, having a 30 kilogram per hour so maybe it will take uh, one hour and a half to have your 30 kilogram but uh, if after uh, five years you lost 50 percent so after five years it will be it, it will take two times the, the normally time you need to have the same dose of irradiation. The owner of uh, an a cobalt-60 irradiator have to add cobalt regularly. So the kilogray dosage in, in the irradiation machine, is that something that can be adjusted or is it only the time that the, in our case, beekeeping equipment or food is in the machine? The, the kilogram is the the level of uh, uh, the level of energy absorbed. So we have dosimeter inner, and then after the treatment, we can evaluate with the dosimeter uh, what was the dose of the box that have um, that has uh, absorbed. So it's uh, I think one kilogram is in equ equivalent of one kilojoule. So this is the level of energy. And then, of course, when we do irradiation treatment, we, we have to determine the dose. So it is possible to give you what is the mean dose, plus or less. Uh, you know, it could be five kilograms, plus or less two kilograms, for example. As low is the dose, as, uh, as large is the standard deviation. So for beekeeping equipment and for beekeepers, it is the, the gamma ray irradiation right. technique that would be used for that sort of um, disinfecting. At our institute, uh, we are using the cobalt-60 uh, irradiator 
from uh, from Nordian war uh, because before uh, when uh, when the Canadian Irradiation Center was founded, we were associated with Atomic Energy Canada, and uh, the, the the agreement was for 15 years and it is ended. But now they, they do irradiation for us when we have uh, research on, on irradiation. But uh, we are using presently the cobalt 60. We also have at INRS a small X-ray, uh, but the, the energy is low. It takes a lot of time to do, to do the, the treatment. But uh, we are looking to see if we can buy eventually uh, X-ray to have a more performant machine. Understanding and in, in doing some reading is that in Canada for beekeeping equipment, that there's two methods that could be used. One is the accelerated electron irradiation, and then the second one is the cobalt 60. So I'm just wondering which one, you know, in your experience is being applied to beekeeping. Well, I know that X-ray has the same kind of penetration, the same, the same efficiency of penetration than gamma ray. With um, beekeeping equipment, there's a range, and I think people are quite surprised that, that our poor honeybees are exposed to so many pests and diseases. Um, and I'm just wondering if we could maybe discuss the, the efficacy of irradiation on um, eliminating different uh, kind of categories of pest and disease, because one of the main concerns for beekeepers, bacterial diseases, we have, um, there's a couple of particular ones, American fowl brood and European fowl brood. And will the gamma ray irradiation eliminate and completely disinfect beekeeping equipment that could have been contaminated with those bacterial diseases? So with irradiation, we can eliminate insect. We can also eliminate mold, bacteria, and sporulate bacteria. This is, this is not a problem. And to reduce the cost, what it is interesting to do is to combine irradiation with using natural antimicrobial compound. And it is what we are doing. And I think I send you paper related to uh, the efficiency of uh, volatile from essential oil to eliminate uh, to eliminate bacteria, and we are working along a lot on using of uh, volatile from essential oil in combination with irradiation, and we can uh, increase significantly the radiosensitivity of the bacteria by using this type of combination. And uh, recently, uh, the association of uh, api Culture, we say the in Quebec they they ask me the, the same question and we have uh, prepared for them uh, a propos a research proposal and they told me that uh, they will discuss with the people the, the association in the west of Canada so I don't know if you were aware aware of uh, that discussion and they told me that. The, you are already in the west of Canada working on something else. So then I, I never uh, got any new, new news ab from them about that project. I, me, I never work on a bee, uh, bee uh, frame for irradiation, but uh, 
uh, when I start to work at the Institute, I, have a, I had a colleague who has done work on that. Uh, it was uh, just uh, using of uh, cobalt 60 to eliminate uh, one type of uh, microorganism. And uh, I, am, uh, I, I work on, on insects for disinsectization uh, with a colleague. Uh, we have started to work on, uh, but it is an insect who infests uh, cereal. And because we have a research project together, uh, it is uh, Dr. Follett in USA, yeah, in, in, in the Big Island. So he is uh, an expert also in irradiation for this infestation, and we are doing uh, research in collaboration. Yes, I, I had read um, the paper you'd sent through on the, uh, on the use of irradiation with rice weevils. And um, we also have a, uh, a, a pest in the, the beetle uh, family, the, the small hive beetle. So I'm assuming that the effic efficacy of, of irradiation and irradiation combined with essential oils would be similar on, on anything in the, in the beetle family. Yes, it is easy to eliminate with uh, insects because if you have a, a very well organized organism like uh, an insect, they are very sensitive to irradiation. The sensitivity of irradiation to it is below one kilogree, but them to eliminate the bacteria, it's around two kilogree. But if you are uh, looking to eliminate a sporulate bacteria, sometimes we have to go to through 10 kilogree and just increase the price of the, of the treatment. So it is why using combine, combined treatment could be useful to reduce the time of the treatment and, and the cost. So the essential oil in conjunction with the irradiation will, you think, be more effective on spore forming bacteria and disinfecting? Yes, if we, if we uh, increase the sensitivity, we will be able to reduce the dose to eliminate that type of bacteria. Yeah, that's very good news because um, with, with beekeeping, if we were to be disinfecting used equipment, we could have a, a, a great spectrum of pests and diseases within that, you know, from spore forming bacteria, which, which from the sounds of it are the hardest to eliminate with irradiation, through to insect pests like small hive beetles and, and varroa mites is one of the ones that we're very concerned with. So if the treatment is set up to eliminate spore forming bacteria, it would also get rid of, of any other bacteria fungus, microsporidian, and, and pests. Yes, yes. That's excellent. Want. The gram-negative bacteria are more sensitive to irradiation, like E. coli, for example. And then uh, Salmonella, uh, we can, it is a little bit more resistant, something like two kilogree uh, as compared to one kilogree for E. coli. But uh, you certainly have to go uh, 10 kilogree for the sporulate bacteria. Okay. Another way also that we use is to irradiate the product in, in modified atmosphere condition. If you put the product in a, in, in a container or a box or a bag, very rich in oxygen, the, with a high level of oxygen over than 60%, 
you, the, the oxygen is transformed to uh, ozone during irradiation, and then you have an effect of the ozone and also the irradiation at the same time. Very interesting. And um, we haven't specifically mentioned viruses, but within beekeeping, we also have viral diseases. Would the irradiation at a, a dose that would kill a spore-forming bacteria, would that also get rid of viruses? Yes. We have done a work on the using on norovirus, and we, we saw that uh, in combination with citrus extract or cranberry extract, we just have uh, evaluated uh, the effect of, uh, of uh, this uh, natural compound to eliminate the norovirus on, on salad. And we were able to increase the sensitivity and to be able to eliminate the virus at lower dose, of course. Good. If beekeepers wanted to irradiate beekeeping equipment, and, and you say, Professor Lacroix, you have not done it yourself, but would there be opportunity for people to take beekeeping equipment to your institute to have it irradiated? Yes, but uh, if you want to obtain just uh, an irradiated product, I will have to, to tell you to ask to Nordion to do the treatment for you and they will charge you uh, the price that they charge normally. And on my side, uh, I can use their equipment. Uh, if uh, I don't use myself, I have to take an appointment with them via uh, a research, uh, via a research program. So practically, for a beekeeper to have equipment irradiated, would there be any concerns for the individual farmer in using that equipment after it had been irradiated? No, the, the, the irradiated product is not radioactive. It will never be radioactive because the, 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 the energy release is one to 10 times the, the, the energy needed, needed produce something radioactive. Okay, the, the energy released by the cobalt 60 is 1 million electrovolt. And you need something like 10 million electrovolt to produce something radioactive. So the product will never be radioactive. But the, the rays is not radioactive. You know, only yeah. 60 is radioactive. It's like the sun. The sun contains radioactive element, but you, when you are in front of the sun, you just absorb the energy and you don't become radioactive because you stay under the sun. I ask you because I'm sure that beekeepers would ask me if there was any, any worry because um, not being familiar with the processes, they might think, oh, I'm going to be handling the equipment or perhaps my honeybees will be in this equipment and, and there could be an effect on those. And I did read those papers that you sent through and they, they looked at irradiated bee equipment and the effect on the hive and they couldn't identify any effect on the bees subsequently after the comb had been irradiated. No, no, there is a, I can tell you also that uh, the many toxicology uh, studies were done and uh, until now, they, they never, uh, they never uh, found any uh, 
new molecule that was produced by irradiation who can uh, produce, who can be toxic. So I can tell you that it is recognized by the United Nations as a physical te technique to, for decontamination, like the eating, like the eating treatment. And uh, I can tell you that the oxygen has more detrimental effect on the quality of a product than the irradiation. So I can, one day we have evaluated the effect of uh, irradiation on uh, orange and we saw uh, less orange when they were deep in a hot, uh, in a hot water and containing also uh, glacier, wax, the, then, uh, then the, the effect of irradiation on the vitamin C on, on, the, on the orange. And I gave you, I am sure I gave you a document from the FAO or IAEA explaining, uh, you know, you have nice slide with, uh, with the fruits and this is done, this was done by the FAO and uh, the, the, the FAO, WHO and IAEA, the, the tripartite committee to explain to the population that uh, uh, irradiation is safe. So this document, it is uh, just a vulgarization a document of irradiation, and this you can uh, uh, you can uh, exchange this document with uh, your uh, the member of your, your group because this will permit them to learn about irradiation. Yes, I'm, I'm reassured by your explanation, and I was reassured by those documents that you shared with me. So I guess uh, along with your orange analogy, the honey that comes out of the beehive. There's no fear whatsoever that there will be any any radiation in the honey. No, no, there will not be. Honey will not be uh, radioactive. Be sure no. of that. <laughs> we we even uh, irradiate uh, insects at very low low dose just to sterilize them, to be sure that uh, we will not have a second regeneration of insect. <laughs> This permit to re, to eliminate the infestation. Yes, excellent. Um, so it sounds to me like this is an option for beekeepers, but it doesn't sound like it's common practice whatsoever for beekeepers to be irradiating equipment here in in Eastern Canada. I am not sure. I don't know if beekeeper use it. Uh, I am sure that you can do it because it is the frame. It is not the food. Because here in Canada, we can irradiate uh, beef, we can irradiate spices, seasoning, and um, for the, and it, I think it is, uh, that's it here in Canada. But in China, they, they irradiate uh, everything. They have more than 150 irradiators in this country. Oh my goodness, yes. It's a lot. And in, in uh, Netherlands, they, they irradiate maybe for more than 40 different types of food. You have also Belgium who irradiate uh, frog leg. And uh, also in France, they, they started to irradiate uh, strawberry and, uh, and poultry. But you, you have more than 40, 50 different countries who irradiate different types of food. They, in Hawaii, they, they have more, uh, they irradiate uh, the sweet potatoes, uh, mangoes, papaya, and different star fruit, and, and they export that in USA. 
and Thailand irradiate a different type of uh, food. We have done uh, the feasibility study in our lab for irradiation of papaya and, uh, and tiger shrimp uh, in collaboration in, in Thailand. And our government didn't accept it. And then finally, Thailand exported this irradiated product in US. But the feasibility study was done in our lab. Okay. To reassure you that uh, food irradiation is done in many countries. Each country has their own policy. So in Canada, for each type of food that we want to irradiate, we have to submit to Health Canada a protocol. And you know we need to make the, the feasibility study and to give them the, the result. And then they have evaluate the result. And also they take part of the, the, the protocol in terms of what type of uh, chemical analysis we, we are going to do because they want us to evaluate uh, the, the most sensitive uh, vitamin, for example. But here it is not the honey that we irradiate. So you irradiate the frame. So uh, in Canada, we can irradiate uh, any kind of packaging. So it is possible to irradiate the frame of, uh, yes, the frame for, for B. Very good. So um, I, I guess to summarize that if, if beekeeping equipment was to be irradiated, the beekeepers could be assured that all of that spectrum of pests and diseases would be eliminated, be they beetles or mites, viruses, bacteria, irradiation would eliminate all of those, those pests and diseases in the beekeeping equipment. Yes. Okay. And you, you mentioned, uh, Professor LaCroix, um, commercial irradiation facilities. I'm speaking to you from Nova Scotia. Um, so from the, the, the region of Canada, the Atlantic region of Canada, where would be the nearest commercial irradiation facility? I think is, it is in, in our institute. I don't think that you have an irradiator on the east part of Canada. I know that there is one in Toronto and one in British Columbia, and we are the third one. Okay. All right. That's, that's great to know. So thank you very much for bearing with me because as I said, my, my understanding of this is limited. And I think uh, the information that you've passed along will be of great interest to our area's beekeepers. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to our conversation that you think beekeepers would be interested in knowing about irradiation of It is interesting maybe to, to reassure uh, your, uh, your group that, um, that irradiation is done for many, many, many applications uh, for car, for example, to improve the resistance of car and aircraft, to, to prevent tracking, for example, in the aircraft, and to improve the resistance of uh, the, the car, uh, the door and the dash of the car. Mm -hmm. And it is used uh, for golf ball to make the ball going faster and f further. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help me in my golf game, but <laughs> yes. And, and you are using, in our lab, we are using irradiation to pro produce cross-linking 
of polymer for development of packaging to render the packaging more resistant. Uh, in the past, we wanted to uh, irradiate uh, wood to eliminate insect and parasite inside the wood and, and to make the, the wood more resistant. And uh, presently, they, they irradiate the surface of, uh, of a wood floor to produce a cross-linking of varnish over the wood. So you have a floor more, more resistant to, to crack or, you know, to more resistant against crash. Crash? Scratch. Yes. Scratch. So irradiation is, uh, is useful for many applications and of course uh, for uh, food decontamination or uh, it is used for packaging also, for packaging decontamination. For example, the cup of, of milk, they, they use it for that and they use it uh, for, um, for pharmaceutical application. Uh, the solution for the eyes uh, also the deeper, deeper to, to and yes, deeper to, to make the elastic, uh, the, the crochet is deeper, c'est ça? Mm -hmm. uh, so the, why, when you irradiate it, you sterilize and also you produce a cross-linking and you make a, like a, an elastic, you know, an elastic for the deeper to, to make yes. it on, on you. And uh, also, uh, they use radiation to sterilize uh, every instrument for chirurgical instrument. And what I want to tell you also that cobalt 60 for to treat cancer. So the people they are irradiated using cobalt 60 or even uh, electron beam, I think, and it is uh, it is done directly on the tumor, so they can uh, inhibit the the cell the cell development of the cancer cell without affecting uh, the, the normal cell. So, and the person who are irradiated, they don't become, uh, uh, they don't become uh, radioactive because they are, uh, they receive radiotherapy. So this is maybe something that you can also exchange with your group to, to persuade them and answer to any other question that you can have. Don't hesitate to contact us and you can see. For example, we have in our lab the UVC. So the UVC is uh, efficient on the surface, more on the surface. It doesn't have many good penetration, but if we use it with essential oil or with, with ozone, we also have the ozonator in our lab. And this could be a good technique need to be developed. And the UVC, it is easy for you to uh, buy one. I know a, a company uh, in Laval, they, they produce uh, fruits and vegetables and they treat uh, with the, the surface of the fruit and vegetable with UVC. So you think that's something, the UVC, that may have applications for beekeepers? Yes, the, the UVC is less efficient but if we use it in combined treatment, and if you, because since you are telling me that it could be far to transport the product in Montreal to Nordion to irradiate the, the stuff, maybe you, we, we can help you to develop a technique that it will be 
easy for you to buy, you know, uh, UVC, uh, it is not so complicated. Interesting. Yes. Thank you very much for your time. It's very generous of you to give us uh, an hour of your afternoon. I know you're very busy. And thank you for your offer again to answer any subsequent questions that we have, because it is, it is something that's often discussed as an option for beekeepers, but I don't think it's, it's something that's very much practiced with beekeepers. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. Your What's the Buzz with Ada Beekeeping podcast is brought to you by your Atlantic Tech Transfer team for apiculture and perennia food and agriculture. We would like to thank Rachel Oxner and Patty Ryan for production and editing, and we would like to thank you, our listeners. For more information on beekeeping in our region, visit our blog, www.atabuzz.com, and find us on Twitter. Atta at Atlantic B. Honey.